Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, of course, the big story this week, or one of them certainly, is this, you know, news that we find out that Terry Lynn McClintock has been moved to a minimum, minimum security facility. And uh, just a short while ago, a letter uh, came across, sent out by Mr. Stafford on his uh, Facebook page. And he's written a letter to Mr. Trudeau. And here is what he has written to our prime minister. My name is Rodney Stafford father of kidnapped, raped, and murdered eight-year-old Victoria Elizabeth Marie Stafford. I plead to you as a father and a proud Canadian citizen who, even after this traumatic experience, tries to live a normal tax-paying life. I really have to question our federal government as to why convicted child murderers such as Terrilyn McClintock deserve more rights than that of their victims and law-abiding Canadians. I may not have grown up living a perfect life, but I grew up to learn that I love the country I live in And I know right from wrong. It is a safe and beautiful country. Now I see so many hearts breaking because people are no longer feeling safety and a reassurance within our laws. This is an ever-changing world that hosts a whole new world of manipulative monsters that our nation needs to protect its citizens from. Terry Lynn McClintock is a dangerous predator who has repeatedly engaged in violent altercations both within society and while incarcerated, boasting of not being able to do more damage. I would like to ask you, with no ill will, one question, though, if I may. From father to father, could you kneel before your child's headstone knowing they spent the last three hours of their life begging and pleading for mommy and daddy to come save them, alone, eight and scared. Can you sleep soundly knowing there is more injustice unfolding before you? Is this enough to remember that not all issues are political, some are moral? God bless and I pray for you to do the right thing, which is to ensure this injustice is reversed and a child killer is returned to prison to finish her sentence behind bars. Thank you for your time, Rodney Stafford. That is quite a letter for a father to have to write. And that's what his life is about now. He is fighting to preserve the justice. I mean, it's all he has left is to make sure that his daughter's memory is protected and that at least someone pays a price while also trying to fight that this doesn't happen to anybody else. And of course, he has organized this November 2nd, is it November? I think it's November 2nd uh, rally at Parliament, but he shouldn't have to. It just simply, we shouldn't have to do this. But this morning we learned that uh, Corrections Canada had issued a statement, these comments saying, you know, it is comfortable with its decision to move this killer to a native healing lodge, despite a judge just a few years ago stating that McClintock had deep-seated anger issues and is capable of doing a lot of damage. And we know from the Rafferty trial that this woman is extremely manipulative, that she harbored fantasies of torturing innocent people. I mean, as a child, she microwaved a dog until it screamed. And her life, yeah, it was tragic from the start, filled with crime, violence, drugs. She was in and out of foster homes. 
And she was also in and out of jail. She had a tough life. She was not loved. So is it even possible that an offender this dangerous could possibly be ready for the freedom she has been granted now? I think a lot of people are wondering, what, did she do something to all of a sudden earn this? Let's bring in Doc Ornamate on this. He is, of course, a registered psych, uh, psychologist, and you can get him at docamate.com. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Well, you know, I think I'm as troubled as, as you know, the next guy about hearing about this invest, you know, this, this story as it, as it continues to evolve. And then you, you hear the words of Mr. Stafford, and they're heartbreaking. I mean, it's hard to even know what he is going through. And, and I'll, I'll get to, to Mr. Stafford and what they are going through. But I want to ask you, because I think a lot of people are wondering, is it even possible, based on the history of this woman, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're acquainted with it, could she possibly be ready to have this kind of, of um, privilege? Well, you know, we have to always state that I haven't assessed her, so I don't know what corrections Canada saw in her. But from, you know, if, if, if you had given me this file... Yeah. And, you know, based on what I know of the work that I've done with such people, it seems way too premature. I haven't heard anything or read anything that would make me think that she's at a point where she, A, has shown true remorse for what she's done, and B, shows the capacity to actually benefit from this ridiculous, um, let's say, uh, benefit of freedom. That, and it is freedom. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, let's not put any, as anything other than that. It's a minimum security healing lodge. Uh, that that would you know is probably even um, a better uh, locale than many of the places she has resided in over her life. Well, I mean, if you've seen pictures of this thing, it's in a very beautiful, pristine area. You've got open woods, trees. I mean, it's a very beautiful, healing in kind of environment. I just don't think that anyone ever thought that someone like Miss um, McClintock would would be there. I think that's why people are so shocked. But given you know, that she, her, it wasn't just a portion of her life. It's not like she turned into a teenager and then went down the wrong road. This is a, a person that from right out of the gate, um, you know, displayed uh, very violent tendencies. You know, uh, you know, you're putting a dog in a microwave. These, these violent tendencies were shown very, very early on. But even through the Michael Rafferty trial, you know, when she pleaded out, um, Oren, we didn't know anything about this manipulative side about her, about these violent fantasies. It's only through that other trial that we learned about it. So this was something that was put away, and people who knew her have come out and said, oh, yeah, she's very manipulative. So is there a way that someone who is manipulative, could they fake their way into this to take advantage of a loophole, let's say? Oh, for sure. The problem is a good psychologist, and that's somebody who's using proper assessment tools, a battery of tests, should be able to identify this type of manipulation. I mean, this is something I deal with all the time when I do my assessments. Can it be missed? Only if you're incompetent. I mean, I hate to sound so blunt. Now, Mm -hmm. the problem is a lot of uh, psychiatrists and uh, too many psychologists Instead of using the tools that we have, these you know proper psychological tools, they interview the person, and to me that's the height of arrogance mm-hmm. because you you know someone who's manipulative by nature is good at you know manipulating people, so you can present in a certain way, seem compelling, seem you know to make the person feel sympathetic towards you, and with proper testing, you can see when the person is trying to do that, or you can find holes in the person's presentation, and if they did that, they should have they would have realized. Well, I can't say for her in particular, but if she was being manipulative, they should have identified that and they should have said this is just one more in a long series of, you know, attempts to deceive for her own benefit. You know, if you look into to her past, I mean, there is there she was able to suppress 
um, this manipulative side of her. Is there a way that she could suppress this for a period of time until, you know, she's feeling in, in safe territory and then she, could she just snap? Because there are children in this facility. Right. And, you know, that's the thing. We, who knows how long someone can you know, maintain a facade, but with the right triggers and given her history. And again, this is all said speculatively because I've never assessed her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody in that particular situation, when someone is exposed to the triggers that uh, make them more susceptible to doing these kinds of things, then they are more likely to act out on their impulses. So, you know, I don't think she would be able to maintain this facade for very long if it truly is a facade. Uh, and so time will tell. And unfortunately, whoever made this decision is gambling with the well-being of those around her. Yeah, I mean, is it is it possible that women are given kind of the benefit of the doubt? I mean, if we were talking about, you know, Sergeant Russell, you know, if we were talking about Paul Bernard, I don't think we would be because I don't think it would ever even happen. Would it be that women are given the benefit of the doubt? People are not going to like this, but um, I have a number of patients who have been the victims of some of the most horrific abuse, torture, sometimes murder by, well, obviously I I wasn't their um, their therapist, but I've done assessments with people who have done this, and they are women. The numbers might be more on the men's side, but to pretend that it's a tiny fraction of women would be to lie. Women can be very uh, harmful to children and to others, and yes, because we still live in a certain society, we do give them the benefit of the doubt, and we do not pay enough um, attention to the kind of damage that these women can do. And again, I have just assessed or worked with so many people who either are the perpetrators or have been victims of the perpetrators. And people don't like to talk about female or mom-on-daughter violence or mom-on-son violence. It does happen, and we, you know, we, we shouldn't pretend that just because the person is of a certain gender that they deserve special treatment. They do not. Right. Evil is evil. Because when, when Carla Homolka got that deal with the devil, I think uh, you know, they, they, they felt maybe she was a victim of that crime. And it was only really until after the fact when the tapes came out and people started realizing, oh my God, she was just as involved and she clearly had manipulated the situation. So does Corrections Canada, to your uh, corrections or rehabilitation, to your knowledge, do they tend to want to give women a better chance of rehabilitation? Would they be looking at this woman possibly and saying, well, you know, she's a young woman, she might have a better chance of rehabilitation, so let's move her. I just, none of this makes sense to me. Yeah, and I don't want to say they want to do that, but that uh, bias, um, I have seen cases where it surely came out. And Mm -hmm. with uh, Carla Homolka, that's the same thing. She was assessed by a number of psychologists and psychiatrists, and I know one psychiatrist nailed her, and so many others just, you know, they allowed their own personal biases to override their professional judgment, and it would not have happened if it were a man. If it were a a man of a certain type of minority status, maybe they would see that, because they want, you know, again, that's our implicit bias, where, you know, uh, we just we may feel more sympathetic towards certain people, marginalized people, and they might lump women into that group. And this should not, you know, anyone who wants to accuse me of being misogynistic or you know um, terrible in some way for saying this is just denying the facts. And unfortunately, the facts do say support what I'm saying, at least in the cases that I've seen. Or and again, I have worked with many patients and I've assessed many people who. You know, who who have either done these terrible things, have been victims of them, or have benefited from a psychologist or a psychiatrist who allowed their personal biases to prevent them from seeing the person who was truly in front of them. You know, my heart aches um, 
for this family and, and any family who has to go through this this because you know you get the Frenches, the Mahaffies, the the Bosmas, the Babcocks. There's so many families who are uh, I, I can't even rifle off how many there would be the, the Holly Jones's families. They live with this for the rest of their lives, but they they become an afterthought. And when you hear the words of a of a father um, imploring another father, being our prime minister, to do something, I mean, their whole grief is completely interrupted every time a headline comes out. Yes, and every time they are required to you know, go to a parole board or something like that, they have to always relive it. And the only thing that you might hope might provide some solace is the uh, idea that maybe justice has been served. Mm-hmm. And when you see something like this happen, you know, you cannot pretend that justice has been served. And I have worked with many patients who are in similar situations, and it just kills them to see that, you know, that nothing good comes from this. And, and there's, again, no sense of justice. Yeah. And that's what we need as human beings. We need to have a sense that if something bad happens, you know, they will be, uh, they'll have to pay the price. And, um, you know, and that's a small, it's, you know, of course, we would not want the, the, the crimes to happen in the first place, but that's the only tiny fraction of hope that we can have. And cases like this just obliterate it. Yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, every time you think, you know, this, this nonsense, which we always hear like, oh, maybe they can get closure. The, the reality is there's never any closure, but it's certainly never going to be, um, you know, they're never going to be able to walk away from this. No, they can't. And, you know, hearing Ralph, Ralph Goodale and, um, and Justin Trudeau being just so impotent, it's disgusting. And, you know, again, they're not thinking about the people who are being affected by this, the people who we should have the most sympathy, compassion and empathy for. They're being thrown under the bus for I don't even know what the, uh, under what name or what, uh, you know, what pretense they are doing this but they truly were not thinking about the people who should have had our utmost uh, compassion. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Thanks so much. Appreciate your in-thought. Thank you. Have a great night. As Doc Amate, uh, registered psychologist. Uh, there you go. On Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.